This is a Galactic Network podcast. Sixty minutes are on the clock and straight out of the Galactic Network. This is eighties percentile. My name is Matt. My name is Corey, and we're here talking everything 80s and maybe also everything before and after the 80s. How are you doing, Matt? I'm, I'm good. How are you, Corey? I'm doing okay. Uh, we got another great show coming to you guys this week. Hopefully, uh, we know it's been a while. We've been on vacation. Matt just recently had a burrito, and uh, he and his wife have been taking care of the burrito and raising it lovingly in their family home. And uh, I just basically long for death all the time. Yeah, you know, there's just a, there's a certain uh, there's a certain amount of time that's needed for uh, bringing a new burrito into the family. Um, you got to care for the burrito. You got to make sure that the burrito is covered in various sauces and cheeses. You don't want you don't want a dry burrito. Uh, that burrito it's up all night. I'm literally awake protected. all night taking care of that burrito. You got to protect it from the family pets. <sighs> yeah, the dog's just trying to eat the burrito, and I'm like, you can lick the burrito as long as you replace the sauce that you licked off the burrito, but. It's just not. You, you, you got to breed proof your house. That's that's the first thing. That's true. We have. Uh, I found a nice online service, uh, burritoproof.com. Uh, a nice lady's probably going to come over and uh, she's going to make sure that all our outlets, the burrito can't get in the outlets. Um, and then, you know, eventually before I know it, the burrito's going to be off to burrito kindergarten. And then it's burrito first grade, burrito middle school, burrito high school. You know, then it's having premarital burrito sex. Yeah. Well, hopefully it doesn't have the situation that you had, which is you, of course, are a carne asada, but you found out that your wife had a burrito that was al pastor. That's true. I mean, that's a conversation we had to have. I found out that she was uh, she was cheating on me with a different meat boy. As you do. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just it was a real it was a real uh, come to Jesus situation. Um, but, you know, we sat down and I forgave her and we decided that we're going to raise this al pastor together. Um Today is Easter, so we made sure to take the El Pastor to see the Pastor in church. Yes. Uh, yes. Three days in, the burrito has risen. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Much like the water level in the toilet when you try to pass it. Oof. Man, if you if you don't know fear, clog a toilet. Watch that water rise. That's fear. <laughs> That's I think there's a meme on the internet, and it's like, you don't know real fear till you shit at someone else's house and the, and the toilet water level rises. And it gets like dangerously close. Although I believe they make toilets now that stop. Like they, I, I've never seen a toilet that just stopped. I and I know I have told this story before about my ex girlfriend that clogged the toilet at my parents' house. Yes, you have. That toilet did not stop. Um, maybe I'm just really lucky. I don't know. I haven't clogged toilets I, lately, which is probably strange to say because I'm a habitual toilet clogger. I click. I clogged one at work the other day, and that was that was a high point for me. I felt like this is this is my moment. This is my, well, one, it was almost my Vietnam. But two, it was just that <laughs> I was like, I'm kind of proud. When you can clog an industrial strength toilet, you, you know you, you ate good that day. Either that or you use too much toilet paper. See, I don't like to run the risk of punching my finger through the toilet paper and getting intimate with myself. So I overuse toilet paper at all times. Yeah, we're strictly because. one ply at my work. And uh, that is just, it's flat, nothing that you can see right through. Uh, it's miserable. So you have to go like four rolls of it just to just to make a dent. <laughs> just triple bag it. 
Yep. So if you haven't listened to the show before, uh, 80s Percentile, we are part of the Percentile Persuasion Network. Mm-hmm. We obviously, like like our other show, Podcast of Terror, we have ripped off as much as we can from our friends Jack and Dan. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at our guest list on Podcast of Terror, you'll see that 50% of the shows wouldn't exist without them in the first place. 50 percentile of Podcast of Terror is 90th percentile runoffs. That's true. So we're like the we're the sloppy seconds. You go on 90th yep. percentile when you're all beat up and used. You come over here, and then we come in your belly button. Yeah. <laughs> and you might say, "Hey, how do you have a spinoff of a show that takes place a decade earlier?" Uh, think Star Trek. Exactly. Yeah. Don't tell us what we can't do. Just watch us do it. Yep. Just put that so we're gonna go to the random topic generator, and we're gonna pull out our first topic. Corey, I'll let you do the honors, because you're a beef boy. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. What is the linguisa? Is it the tongue? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Someone probably twenty three. I mean, send me a fucking sample of my DNA. Uh, the first topic for us is sent to us by listener Dan Jackson, and it Thanks, is Dan Jackson. We know you've been with us since the beginning, and hopefully to the, the end. end. Not ours, yours. Uh, the first topic is Def Leppard's drummer loses an arm, continues to drum. I think I'm pretty sure he's still drumming. Is he not? I, I think the whole band that is still alive, they, they've lost more than than one over the years. Uh, they lost one of their guitarists, I think, in the 90s. Uh, but that's another show. Yeah. Uh, so Make sure you turn in, tune into 90s percentile for that topic. Yeah. Uh, as a drummer yourself, what do you know about the story? Because I feel like it's one of those things that should be talked about in, in uh, I was going to say drum circles, but that just sounds way <laughs> stupid. Yeah, uh, that's racist too. Um, yeah. it, I mean, it's a, it's a conversation that has had a, a number of times. I, um, you kind of always wonder, like, well, as a drummer, like, what would happen? Like, there was um, uh, last week I hurt my knee cap. I don't know how. And my first thought, I had to call a nurse, and they're like, well, it might be infected. And I'm like, cool. Um, that means I can't play the drums. I'm like, that sucks. So it's usually with any of your limbs, if anything happens, there's that little uh, oh shit moment. Um, but this is like the most impressive because he, he literally lost an arm and then had, um, I mean, electronic drums are nothing new. Obviously, they were back in the 80s too, but he made, had pedals that would work various drums, and he just played one arm, and then uh, his left foot would hit the pedals to, to make up the difference. Um, yeah, so so people will have a better understanding of this uh, for ones who didn't live through it, like Matt. Uh, Rick Allen was the drummer for the band Def Leppard. I, I believe he was one of the founding members. And in between their their big first real breakout record of Pyromania and, and going into what was supposed to be the recording for their next record, in 1984, there was a car accident and he lost his his arm, which is one of the things that always killed me is every time I'd see a poster of Def Leppard in the, the mid to late 80s, they would have the band all standing up next to each other. They would have Rick on the end and the poster would cut off right where his remaining arm was. So he'd just be standing there with no arms at all. No arms were, which I think they still would have let him drum. But uh, so Def Leppard had the opportunity and it would have made a certain degree of sense to go find another drummer. They didn't. They they stuck it out. Uh, Rick assured them that he would learn how to make it work, uh, get himself trained up to do this. It's a huge feat. Uh, 
Again, I'm not trying to make a joke there. It just kind of oh, came out Jesus, that way. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. You're, you're relearning something you have done one way for a very long time. Yeah, and at the point in time where we were just discovering things about double bass pedals uh, because of Metallica getting all uh, struck out with uh, one, I think was the first mm -hmm. video that I remember seeing that happen. This was a different way to go. And and you're right, it was, it was synth drums, which... He could have cheated. He could have done a lot of stuff to to make it play a little different, but he didn't. He he actually drummed the whole time. There was some sort of repetitiveness to the sounds in that first album, but that all album also was a gigantic hit. I I can't tell you. I mean, we were talking before the show about Motley Crue having an album that was all hits, and I I think that whoever described that was a mistake. But Hysteria by Def Leppard was hit after hit after hit after hit uh, from the first song coming out, I think was Animal, to Hysteria, to uh, Pour Some Sugar On Me, to Armageddon It, which both had the same video. Like, I think just kept blowing them out of the water, uh, which is a nice payoff for a band that stuck with their their bandmate. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean, I, I feel like it was a different time back then, too. I mean, if you really want to, like, dig into it, nowadays, I don't think a band, regardless of how big they are, would have the luxury if one of their members was in an accident to allow that member to recover whatsoever because there's such a need and, and a, a forcing of a band to be on the road and active at all times because there's so much music that... Like, well, if, if this band that you're into isn't doing something, you just go find someone else that does the same exact thing. So had had this happened now, I don't think it would have been handled the same. They would have probably been forced by the record label to find a new drummer. Yeah, and, and I, I feel like they went and uh, and fought the record label on that. It, it was a three-year span between the accident and hysteria coming out Hysteria was released in August of 1987. Um, so it, it's not like there was a ton of time in between, but when you do have a band that has just achieved uh, such big hits with, uh, with photograph and, and is on the cusp of like, like when that type of music was just really seriously taking off when MTV was just taking off to have them do that is, is kind of, amazing and a real testament to the the kind of bandmates that he had and to him for yeah. his talent of being able to do it uh and, and what well, do you think would happen with you uh you're in uh, a little uh band uh you do some conway twitty covers yep. and uh, no what do you do <clears throat> what do we really do yeah play music poorly on occasion well you're black metal no, no. If you really want to get into it, I wouldn't call it black. Okay, metal. I'm sorry. Technically, African American metal. <laughs> um, I, I gotta look. At, so there's there's two bands: um, Norma Jean, not Marilyn Monroe, and then uh, the Chariot, who are very similar. It's it's a more chaotic. I don't know. I guess they're called noise metal on on Wikipedia or metalcore. Um, but. Uh, to the point to, to your question is if it happened in our band our band would probably just stop ceasing to be a band because we're not it's literally five guys and it is those five guys for a reason like there's no 
we're not we're not going to get famous. Like we, we play a niche kind of music. Now I have friends who are signed to record deals, and I know that if there was if their drummer something happened to him, that band would stop. But say something happened to their bassist or their their vocalist, they would just replace them. So it kind of depends on the member of the band and and how much input that person has with your writing um, to create the sound that is your band to determine how, like how useful or how valuable that person is. Yeah. So it's not a matter of drummers are more important than bassists, although that's true. Uh, or that, no, but if you, but if you're, if your bassist is writing, cause I know there's a lot of bands where like the drummer writes guitar parts. So the bassist write guitar parts. So the vocalist yeah. who doesn't play guitar writes drum parts or whatever. Um, I do. So literally the way our band does it, they're like the the two people that listen that are going to give a shit is our guitar player writes a song a loose structure of a song i write all my drum parts everyone else kind of learns it and then while they're kind of learning it we go back through it and restructure it and then once everyone's done and our vocalist writes his vocals he will adjust parts so like hey play this part four times instead of six times based on his vocal patterns so everyone has a hand in it for the most part but as much as I love our bass player, if he was like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore, we could just go find someone else. Now, if Tim, our guitar player, quit, he writes 80, 85% of our songs. So it would be very difficult to come back from that because JR just, he doesn't write as much as Tim. It's just the way it is. And at that point in time, would you rename the band because it would have to be sort of a significant made up of the members from drawn the lifeguard not really um, i mean but the, creating a new sound creating a new kind of um so drawn the lifeguard is this guy in the execution so we literally played a show as guy in the execution with the same lineup of guys that are in drawn the lifeguard right now um tim moved to michigan and uh when we tried to find other guitar players and it never worked out and then Tim moved back and we're like, we fucking have to do this with Tim if we're going to do it. This, the genre of music we were playing and the style we played was considerably different, but the, the band name drawn the lifeguard existed before this guy in the execution did like we would have sky practice. And then, um, I was like the fourth drummer in drawn the lifeguard technically, but we would just get shit hammered and write like black metal and like super fast death metal. So, but isn't that what you do every week by yourself too? I, I don't know about the that, writing. No, that's masturbating. You just wake up and there's there's language about uh, killing the entire population of the earth uh, <laughs> on top of a pizza box with a little bit of vomit in the corner. Yeah, I call that Saturday morning. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just mainline some coffee. I feel like I really bogarted that uh, deaf lep talk uh, with uh, talking about my shitty band. Well, I, do you listen to? My much music, of yeah. the music like well to your music sure yeah. but do you, have you listened to much Def Leppard in your time um I mean you have you have to understand like my dad is a huge music fan so Kiss Def Leppard Rush all of that Ozzy Osbourne but what about you said you said he was a fan of music which one of those bands are you saying is not music <laughs> I'll start with Kiss and then oh I'll yeah move Kiss on. is Kiss is a spectacle I mean he took me to a Kiss show when I was twelve. Um, it's a spectacle there. I think they're, I think it is laughable at best, but, um, yeah. Seeing so, I mean, Kiss in their uh, prime uh, is a different story. Seeing Kiss first time out w- with the makeup and everything before they, they lost the makeup and went to the, 
the 80s glam makeup of bands and then they went to the 90s cover-up of we're all 60 up on yep. stage trying to look like we're in our 20s um i saw them on their second reunion tour i think either the second reunion wow. or the second farewell but it was a reunion or a farewell tour um Alyssa and i then again saw them in promises were made and then broken and then remade yeah i think we saw them in like 2012 2013 it's like maybe, you're the, it was bad it's like it was you're the peter bad. chris in that situation <sighs> Catman. meow yeah good old peter chris he's not a good drummer either uh, no but he sang beth that's man true. if that's your legacy you get to go through the rest of time being the person who sang beth he probably goes into a bar and goes up to a lady and be like hey i sang beth and just their clothes fall off <laughs> for, for the for the woman that that will have that reaction it it may be again a point in time where we're not as interested in seeing that happen as no. we used to be yeah yeah the same lady that said that uh 10 years ago is still saying it today and or i should say 20 years ago and saying it today she's not uh i don't know maybe maybe maybe, maybe, maybe she holds know. up maybe yeah she right? great. <laughs> maybe she aged I've, very well I'm I'm projecting myself in there, and I know that I have not held up nearly as well. I'm also not quite that old, but I'm getting there, and uh, probably a little more stacked than she is at this point. Uh, <laughs> pour some sugar, me. Of course, you've been to strip clubs, so you've heard it about a billion times. But <laughs> I don't know what's a strip club. Uh, it's it's kind of like porn, except uh, it it blue ballsy the entire time. Oh, so it's like being married. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I know exactly yeah, yeah. what that's like. <sighs> it's that first part where your wife takes off all her clothes before she puts on the shit that she is basically proving to you that she has no interest in sleeping with you that night. Uh, it's it's just that that one middle moment of like, is it gonna happen? No. Nope, no. Nope, there it goes. See the the problem here is that you're basically talking about my life in a nutshell. This is making it very difficult to hear. Yes, that's exactly right. That's that's why I do it. It's out of love. Fuck you. I mean that in the nicest way possible. You're a beautiful man. Let's have babies. Mm-hmm. It it's weird though that I mean I saw a concert on Axis or something recently, and it was Def Leppard performing and and doing the lion's share of their hits, and a lot of them were from Hysteria, of course. Mm-hmm. But we're we're talking about forty years of this band around and still doing a great live show still sounding really good oh yeah and and having people that want to see them that's that's kind of incredible it's one thing if you're if you're frank sinatra and you've been singing for 50 years and people want to go see you now obviously not as much now uh but but it was just the one guy has a big band behind him that can do all the stuff and he's still got a smooth voice mm-hmm. joe elliott's voice was always kind of scratchy i think he sounds better live now than he did then and is it practice is it just he's taking good care of himself had better living cleaned up and that's that's kind of what i was gonna ask is like that's it could be any number of circumstances that are now creating a better life for him which makes it easier to sound better i mean ultimately i'm sure because he's older he's taking better care of himself but um yeah i don't know i mean you often wonder what does Def Leppard yeah. do at night? Uh, well, they, they, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I really do. They're probably a lot happier than I am. 
not, I don't know about that. Like, do you really think? Do you really think they're that happy? Well, they they don't live in America, so oh, or, or they're not from America. That that's probably a plus. <laughs> uh, so they got that going for them. Yeah. Um. I mean, is there any other Death Leopard stuff you want to cover? No, I I, I feel like if we if we stay on this, then we're just going to wind up going down the road of like Def Leppard versus Led Zeppelin. Where's how many names you're going to fuck up with terrible spelling of things? Whatever. Um, you want to go ahead and pull another one? Yeah, our next topic comes to us from Jack Van Dan, and Jack sends us this little bitty: uh, the introduction of the Fox Broadcast Network. This was kind of a big deal as i remember it because uh this will be very weird for for people of a younger era there used to be this thing called tv that didn't come through a coax cable (laughs) uh and was an high definition and there were basically three major channels Mm -hmm. and then you got to this really staticky section called uhf that gave you some stuff that sometimes came in a little bit with an antenna that you would stick on top of your house. Kind of like what a car would have until you got serious, you dumb motherfuckers, because all you do is listen to podcasts all day. And thank you for that. Um, So we had the three major broadcast networks, which was ABC, CBS, and NBC. And, And they existed as long as I can remember. Then all of a sudden, this upstart Fox, which had created content as 20th Century Fox for years, uh, a lot of stuff for the other networks decided they were going to start their own network. They were going to buy up affiliate stations in different areas and major places and start creating their own baseline for having their shows. They they ran from 8 to 10 p.m. with original programming. Uh, most nights of the week, except for Sundays when they ran from 7 to 10 p.m. So at 10 o'clock, you would still have uh, CBS, ABC, and NBC trying to do their shows and on Fox, they would go right to the local news. But for that two hours, when they introduced in, I think 1986, 1987, they were putting out brand new shows, brand new content. Some of things kind of are still not, not just held up and and seen, but one of the shows was the Tracy Ullman show. And that show begot the Simpsons uh, about a year later. And the Simpsons is still going. Unfortunately, uh, also, it's still going. If you, if you like the Simpsons, we have a friend who does a show about it. Um, but I remember this being like, holy shit, there's a fourth network. Now, I already had cable by the time that happened. But it was still kind of really weird that you could like, you go over to your dad's and you have one of the portable TVs and you'd be able to flip through. And there's this whole extra station there. And it wasn't just something that you got kind of backwards from Canada because you were close enough to live to it. And uh, one of the shows that I really liked that premiered on it was this show called uh, The New Adventures of Beans Baxter, which had a kid from the first iteration of Charles in Charge had come over to it. And it was from Savage Steve Holland, who did Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer. And and in the 90s, he did a cartoon called Eat the Cat. Ooh, and, I remember that. Yeah, and also he did the animations for Press Your Luck. Every time the whammies would come out, uh, that was uh, Savage Steve that did that stuff. But this was uh, a TV show that he did, 
And it was about a kid whose father was a spy and disappeared. And so the spy agency went and grabbed his kid and trained him to be a spy to help find him. But in the meantime, he was he was going to school and trying to live his, his life, uh, lead the secret life of the spy thing, keeping it from his mom and the rest of his family and his friends and stuff. And I was really into that show. Uh, my mom and I both were. And it did not last long. And that was the thing is a lot of the Fox stuff did not last long or it became different stuff later on. But do you do you have any recollection of this or was it just a, a still another before your time thing or you just came into Fox later? Uh, let's see. <clears throat> so it was launched on October 9th, 1986. I was one year old and about 25 days. So I don't remember this, but <laughs> I do remember TV um, needing an antenna or I recall an AB switch. Um, we Can had you be switched to be able to switch to your video game. Um, no, because back then Nintendo, you would just turn it on. You had to be on like channel three, and you would turn yeah. it on. Um, but we had A and B channels, so like, I I want to say MTV was like twenty one B or something, and like ABC, NBC were uh, two and eleven A, and Playboy okay, that's, that's still... was fourteen B. If you were getting those channels those were cable channels or some sort of special cable so cable had a couple of different things and this is one of the one of the weirdest things that i remember about cable uh we had a cable box pretty early on uh my mom and i at our apartment before we moved to my grandmother when i was around 11 or 12 and then we had cable boxes there but I remember there being this thing called on TV and on TV was a special box that you had to tune into at a certain time of the night. It would give you premium programming on some weird UHF station, but you had to have the box to unscramble it. Hmm. So I can't remember if it came over the air or if it came through a cable line. I can't imagine that did if if you have the cable line and you just have cable. I, I mean, I Better. also remember, um, like, getting pay-per-view. You'd have to get a box. You'd have to, like, go yeah. pick up a box from the cable company and then return it after the event. Um, and it's just never fucking working. Like, yeah, uh, I remember the pay-per-views for the first WWF uh, wrestling stuff that we used to watch and, and trying to do that. And you, you used to have to call it in. Mm -hmm. uh, I may have, at some point in my later years, had a little filter that went on my cable box so that I could get all the pay-per-view I wanted. And then it never sent the signal back that I actually ordered it. So it would it would order it, I'd receive it, and then it would never know that I didn't uh, pay for it. It's weird. It was a weird thing. And so <laughs> those are the good old days. But we used to it used to be scrambled. Like you would see the station for the pay per view, or you would see the station for Playboy, and mm -hmm. it would be scrambled out. Yep. And yep. if you were a subscriber, you would have a code for certain things like Playboy that you could put in. Uh, my friends and I used to just sit there and torture ourselves over my friend Larry's cable box, trying to figure out the code that his parents put in for the Playboy channel. Oh, you'd have like a child lock code? Yeah, that's essentially what it was. It was the first child locks. But. Yeah, that that's it's it's really weird that cable became so predominant and that over the air stuff eventually like the old antennas stopped working a few years ago when we went to high definition TV they had to put out HD antennas 
And then a lot of the broadcast stuff, you're lucky if you live in an area where you can get one or two channels from that. When it used to be like everywhere, you were covered by some local broadcast channel that would be an affiliate of, of one of those major four. Mm-hmm. Now there's HD channels that are on subchannels, kind of like what you're talking about, the ABC. If you're on channel two and then you have a two one and a two two that has like sometimes it's the same channel over again. Sometimes it's a different kind of content from that broadcasting company. But it it's just it's all through the internet now. It's all through Comcast Fiber or something, so that it doesn't make a lot of sense. When when satellite first came out, that was like just an extended antenna. But having this stuff now where it's just like beamed in your house at all times. I finally signed up for Hulu over the weekend. And Old man it's just, man, uh, shit. It's just like, here, watch the Golden Girls that aren't on a billion times a day on a dozen different c- cable channels. But sure, now I can watch them whenever I want. My wife wanted to watch Seinfeld. Uh, oh, good news about this podcast, by the way. We're the only one that can talk about the first season of Seinfeld. Which I tried watching and it wasn't very good. No, it's not. Uh, oh, man. First of all, George has hair. That's not right. You don't do that to us. All right. That is not my hangup. Sorry. That, that should be what they, they should go and digitally remove all of that. Um, but yeah. So Fox comes out. Takes over. I'm not I'm not even sure I remember what channel they were on. I think they were on channel five. CBS was on channel two. NBC was channel four. ABC was channel seven. And I think. Fox was on channel five, which was a weird place, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was an odd, odd place. But they got to be so big that somewhere over the years, Fox completely overtook the other channels and took channel two away. So now even if you're on cable or something, you turn on that box, that first channel that that thing lands on is always going to be Fox. Mm -hmm. I haven't been in any place where that's not the case anymore. Um, so you just go right to it. That's that's the start. How do you do that? How do you become such an upstart? I guess the the quality of programming eventually shifted and their stuff was better than what other ones were watching. But we know that we've seen years where CBS has had the highest hit shows. Their NCIS crap and CSIs and everything. The Big Bang Theory is the number one sitcom still. How have they not stolen that back or do they just not care because now that that real estate doesn't matter anymore? They, they may just not give a shit. I mean, I know with a lot of like the really big, the big things like the uh, um, NBC and Fox switch off for NFL games. Right. Like, so they switch off for the Super Bowl and all that. So I think the big thing is they probably kind of have to share or whether they want to or the not or however, however they want to do it. I don't really care, but um, I guess if it's a big enough deal, they'll make a stink and then they're forced to share. So they may just not give a shit. Um, now, well, I mean, now there's Fox and Fox News and FX and FXX and this, that, the other thing. Um, I don't know. Do you ever think that like Fox in its infancy as an adult now looks at Fox News and is just like looks at it like a disappointed parent? Well, Fox in its infancy was created by Rupert Murdoch, who is still... Uh, I, like consider the he's the one who brought about Fox News and everything. Um, I don't think he doesn't. I don't think he cares because he's just like, yeah, I got a lot of money for that. Right. Um, and just keep cutting me those fat fucking checks. 
what I I do think is that Fox was sort of a riskier set of programming. The stuff that they did seemed more dangerous than what you saw on other channels in in the fact that Married with Children, dirty show, you know, it's for, for show, its though. time. It is great. I watch the reruns all the time uh, in the morning. Actually, I've kind of switched over to watching the Goldbergs now, a show that takes place in the 80s. Uh, I but love, yeah, I love that show, too. Sorry. Yeah, the no, that's fine, man. The Married Children was was risque. Tracy Allman, I don't remember being as much. Uh, the The Simpsons was definitely like a mature version of animation. Like you weren't watching The Simpsons. You you'd, you'd get into it as a kid because it was cartoons, but it was about stuff that wasn't really for kids. Although the first couple of seasons did at least kind of play to both audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the second season shows when they started having a lot of their stuff get uh, canceled because of viewership was a show called Women in Prison, which I remember being kind of racy. And that was that was a thing, is that I saw more chances being taken on Fox because they could. Uh, they didn't have these established things to build off of. Their first real release was a late show that was with Joan Rivers that was supposed to be their answer to The Tonight Show. And it actually is what got Joan Rivers banned from ever appearing on The Tonight Show again, broke up her friendship with Johnny Carson, which never recovered. She didn't show up on The Tonight Show again until she, I think the year she passed away when Jimmy Fallon was hosting it because Johnny just never invited her back. She wasn't there for the final episode or anything, and it seemed like she should have been. And that show didn't even last that long. Uh, it wasn't considered a success, but it was still another chance, and Joan Rivers was freaking dirty. Um, that is kind of what her humor is. So it it seems like that was the the hit of the network is that it did things that these other three channels weren't doing that made made higher risks that eventually got them higher payoffs. In the nineties, like everybody I knew was watching Married with Children and watching stuff on Fox more than the other networks. The other networks became kind of old hat. Uh, it was just, there weren't, there wasn't stuff that was interesting to people my age. I think the, was Arsenio, I can't remember if Arsenio was on Fox or if it was on CBS. I feel like it was on CBS, but I think he came from working on Fox stuff first. And then that led to him getting picked up by CBS. If I'm right. Um, I'm trying to, trying to look it up. He did win the 1988 NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Motion Picture for Coming to America. That well, she should have. It's a fucking great movie. Um, I, I liked it even better when they called it Black Panther. Uh, 1986, the Fox Network introduced the Late Show starring Joan Rivers. So that was Fox. Arsenio Hall show was on CBS. The Arsenio Hall. Okay, I didn't get there yet. You prick. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I do remember the Arsenio Hall show and like catching it. Oh yeah, eighty nine and ninety four. So in its late run, I would have seen it uh, when it was on TV at night. Probably when I was trying to watch In Living Color. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. In Living Color was a huge kind of step into a more obviously less white comedy than Saturday Night Live but also it seemed like they they took bigger chances Saturday Night Live had settled into a groove uh that only got 
fixed every once in a while they get a new cast in and they they'd have to refresh a little bit although nothing will ever match the the year that they cast all the the younglings like uh anthony michael hall and robert downey jr and madonna was i think the first guest of the season on and that whole thing just went to shit so bad that they they wound up killing all of the cast at the end of the season. And the next season opened up with Madonna saying that the last season was all a terrible, terrible dream, like on Dallas. Um, but what we we probably what I remember is that Living Color was only good, really, the first two seasons at best. The first season was gold the whole way through. The second season became more like Saturday Night Live. It was repeating characters over and over. And then by the third season, the the top weigh-ins basically left. Uh, Keenan stopped appearing on the show, mm-hmm. and and Dame was on there a lot less. And we got the also weigh-ins, as I call them, uh, Sean and Marlon, and uh, Jamie Foxx came in. And it just stopped being nearly as good as what it had been. But it was such a huge hit in that time that it was like, okay, yeah, it, it stands up now uh, comparatively that I would rather watch old and living color episodes than I'd like to see Saturday Night Live stuff from that era. And it's so kind of a big deal that Fox, again, did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't even remember what was on Fox when I was a kid, at least in the 80s. Obviously, The Simpsons, which started in 89, which... I can talk about that if you want. Yeah, I mean, you were a, a big Simpsons fan. I mean, and that I, first I, season was gold. I thought, yeah, the first season was really good. I thought the uh, second through say eight was way better, but um, yeah, the first first episode was. I had to get exact dates here, but I know it started in season one. Um, oh, I was wrong. First episode was nineteen ninety. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. December 17th, 1989 was episode one. So there was one episode of The Simpsons that took place in the 80s. Yeah. And that was the one um, where uh, Bart gets the moth tattoo um, and Homer gets a job as Santa. So it's a Christmas episode. Yeah, I figured it was a Christmas. Which I think is kind of odd that the first episode ever of a TV show is a Christmas episode. Granted, it was released in December, but... Well, it was probably supposed to be a Christmas special, and then it tested so well that they continued doing the series. Uh, but clearly, fucking 37 seasons later. Yeah, if only that little show could have done something with itself. Um, yeah, and and I mean, that show kind of stole the audience away from the Cosby show when it when they started putting them head to head. And now, which itself was pretty dominating at the time. Now Bill Cosby's use of date rape drugs took the audience away from that show. <laughs> that is true. That's what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to put on yeah. a Cosby show and oh. if, if it's on Hulu and just take some date myself rape to drugs with it. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, take a, take a couple date rapers, put what on some Cosby. Melatonin? No, I don't need melatonin. I just need to see some rad sweaters from the 90s. Jesus. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it must have been a bigger thing for you than for me. Obviously, Fox existed when I was um, old enough to remember it. So I, I do not remember a uh, a three-station TV world. Now there are 780 goddamn channels. <sighs> Man, th- there was a song by Bruce Springsteen 
called you, you got the touch yeah, no no <laughs> that was stan bush sir um i think it was like 57 channels and nothing on it it was some like at the point in time it seemed ridiculous uh how how the high the numbers seemed it is uh, and, springsteen by the way and was i right on the number though yep, yep. wow seven channels and nothing on and and like at that point in time, it was a commentary about the fact that there's just so much TV to choose from. And you look at, you're right, you, you look on your cable channels now, and there's a thousand. Some of them are repetitive of like HD versus non HD. Well, but then we, after that, you got your pay per view, you got your streaming of Netflix and Hulu. Yeah. So we have Slack. Not Slack. Slack's a fucking. Sorry. Slack's are I had a very powerful beer. Um, we have sling for TV and I think I get like 20 channels and a lot of the times I can't find anything to watch on there. So even 20 channels and there's nothing on this week, especially it seems like, well, a lot of stuff is recording because it's a holiday week. Mm -hmm. Um, so any kind of, uh, news or event shows or stuff like that. Like if I watch, um, real time or last week tonight on HBO, those haven't been on. Um, but it, it just, it really feels like there's been nothing for me to watch. Uh, there's a couple of new things that started up, uh, the new Roseanne, which shit, uh, again, show coming back from the eighties. Um, is that I, I can't watch them without my wife. I didn't, I didn't see it yet. Okay. Cause you would be the uh, first person to say it's good. Gregor, uh, watched it and reviewed it on else nerds this week. And he seemed to like it a lot. Um, I was the biggest fan of the show, but it, again, I see the Roseanne show in the 80s kind of being the first spark of doing something a little bit more dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it owes a lot to what Fox was doing with Married with Children. Like everybody says that Roseanne was the, the wife that wasn't nice to the kids and stuff. But Married with Children was already doing that as far as I remember. If, the, if, if I remember it coming out in order, it might be that Roseanne was first. I, I can't recall now. Um, but I was definitely watching Married with Children more than Roseanne. Uh, of course, it did have Kelly Bundy. Oof. I would tongue plow her stink ditch. That's a that's a kind way to say she's pretty. Um, <laughs> that's one way to put it. Um, God damn it, Roseanne! It just fuck. It shows like the new season as their original release date because. Fuck you, Internet. Roseanne started in October 17th, 1995, married with children, June 9th, 1997. You mean 85 and 87? No. Oh, goddamn. Final episode date. <laughs> and that's also... Holy shit. Corey, you shouldn't have let me drink before we did this. Um, I, I feel like there's no way I could have stopped you. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. October 18th, 1988. Yeah, so Married with Children. Roseanne's first episode. Um, Original release, April 5th, 1987, Married with Children. So Married with Children was a full year earlier. Yeah, was ahead of it. And and then Married Children, of course, inspired the ripoff on whatever the other network was, the Unhappily Ever After, which was like a direct ripoff, except they had Bobcat go play doing the voice of a imaginary bunny on it. 
Just really weird. Really weird show. But if you're going to rip off a show, that's that's a good one to do it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's much to say about Fox themselves other than the fact that they have brought us some shows that had some good staying power. And, and they can go a lot of Fox themselves. Yeah. Uh, weren't they the ones who brought back Star Trek as well? Didn't Next Generation play on Fox? Um, Originally, yeah, I believe so. But now the the whatever one is on TV now is on uh, that CBS All Access. Yeah, they, they started doing... So, well, Paramount got their own channel, so... For when Voyager came out, they had moved that over to UPN. But I think Deep Space Nine and Next Generation had been on Fox before that. And then UPN got combined with the CW or combined with the WB to become the CW. And Paramount owning, co-owning with CBS uh, Star Trek, they're only doing another own just, shit now. You're just yelling in a lot of letters right now. I, I am. It's yeah, that's what all these things are. Just a lot of right now. It sounds uh, like you're trying anagrams. to teach me algebra. A little bit. I don't know what you're, I don't know what's happening. Matt plus one beer minus a billion brain cells equals the show. Plus my piss sacks full. Yeah. Divided by my butt hurts times the square root of my nuts. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Do you, do I don't know either. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? 14 minutes and 55 seconds left. Do you want to switch to another topic? Uh, yeah, let's see. This one comes to listener DJ. DJ is bring. Oh, this is an odd one. Uh, I don't really know even how to approach this. The new monkeys. There were new monkeys? Yeah. Did you know that there was old monkeys? I do. I know of the original monkeys. I yeah, the original know. monkeys, you'll obviously you'll hear more about them in depth on people, our hey, sister people, show, 60s percentile. Yes, and people say that they were just monkeying around. <laughs> They're just too busy singing. Yeah. yeah. Bring anybody down. Yeah, so uh, 60s percentile will likely be having an episode on this in the near future, but we're I guess we're going to cover the new monkeys, which I didn't know was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the new monkeys. All right, here, here's what I remember. Somewhere in the middle of 80s, it might have been 84, 85, something happened where there was this big monkeys revival and MTV started playing all the episodes over the weekend. It might have been MTV, it might have been VH1, it might have been both because they were all owned by the same Viacom company or whatever. Mm -hmm. But just like for a few days straight, you were just seeing this. There was a couple of things like that, like some channels started replaying all the Honeymooners episodes I feel like there were a few things where it was just this smorgasbord of we have too many channels. We don't have enough content. Let's play this old thing and see if people pick up on it. My friends and I got totally into watching the monkeys and we all liked their albums and stuff. We were Beatles fans and we were monkeys fans uh, for listening to them. But it wasn't something that you could just go pick up and see the show. You might have seen it a couple of times here and there in your lifetime. But to have it now be playing constantly and have access to it on on a channel that you would normally be watching day night anyways was a big deal and i want to say it's about the time of the 20th anniversary of the original monkeys that coca-cola actually developed a new monkeys series with a bunch of new actors slash musicians actually actors playing like they're musicians uh to to put them into the, the house, essentially all updated for the 80s and put out this new show. 
and it was exactly what people didn't want, which Coca-Cola should have known because just the year before they had introduced new Coke. And that was exactly what people didn't want. Did you so Coca-Cola's go through this whole thing where they're just introducing shit that says new in front of it and not scoring with anybody. Had you drank new Coke at all? Oh yeah. How did it taste? It it didn't taste awful, but if you're it's kind of like when you order a Coke and someone brings you a Pepsi before every oh, fucking restaurant no. decided to say, say, hey, are you OK with Pepsi? Yeah. No. Are you OK with getting punched in the neck? Um, it, it was that moment of or if you order a Coke and you get a root beer and you start drinking and it's like it's not like you don't like root beer, but you were expecting a Coke. So this was mm. Coca-Cola was loved, benounced to everybody and. To take it away, to introduce this new thing that is not that was a really stupid fucking move. Just introduce another thing. Just say it's the competitor to RC Cola. So did they uh, Did they get rid of Coke and only have new Coke? They did. Well, that's dumb Coke. And so what they did, uh, actually, going back to Bill Cosby, they brought back uh, a little while later, they brought back the old Coke as Coca-Cola Classic. Oh, that's And then the new Coke slowly went away. Here's one of the funny things is that New Coke became this flavor profile that Diet Coke follows. That's why Diet Coke doesn't taste anything like regular Coca-Cola, uh, aside from the aspartame, is it's the, the formula it's based off of is off of New Coke, not the original Coca-Cola. So huh. like if you taste it, they're like just so far apart from each other. Like, I guess if you drink, right. I've always had pick up on these weird flavors and stuff. Like, I can't drink Diet Mountain Dew. Um, I could drink caffeine-free Mountain Dew, and I did for a while. But the Coke is just way off. It's just totally fucking weird. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, that that's part of the reason why. Huh. But the monkeys. Did you ever watch the monkeys or listen to the monkeys at all? Uh-uh. Okay. <laughs> no, unless, unless they became a death metal band and I missed it. I think Peter Tork is secretly uh, King Diamond. <laughs> no, so the, the monkeys were a, a, a group of guys that were put together by Hollywood Studios to... The original boy band. Yeah, they kind of were. It was to make their own version of the Beatles for TV. Uh, and it was 1968, 67. Might, might be 66, the actually. New monkeys? The new monkeys were 86. Oh, the, oh uh, 60s. So 66, sorry. whatever the original monkeys. Uh, they they put them all together and they, they cast them. Uh, some of them had acting experience and, and some of them were actually musicians themselves, but they didn't actually play their own instruments on the original albums. Uh, it was, they were produced. They had a lot of the songs were written by Neil Diamond. Um, and they they did this show and the show was basically to help sell record albums. Yeah, you got through the show and get the commercials and stuff for that. But they would make albums and they would sing on them, but a lot of the stuff really wasn't them playing. And it it bummed a lot of them out because people like Mike Nesmith, for instance, was an actual trained musician and wanted to write his own stuff, and they had to kind of fight to be able to get to do that. And they're like, No, we we made you to be this. Uh, you don't get to do that. In the 80s, 
they found four more guys and he said, hey, uh, we're going to do this thing over again. And you could not find people who wouldn't say yes to that mm -hmm. because the 80s was this great time of like, I'll do anything to be popular. I think that was the the plot to Oh God, You Devil, the third in the Oh God series. And so they they grabbed a bunch of guys and they look like your typical 80s dudes that are like meant to be annoying in a sitcom show on TV. Um, but I remember trying to watch it. I remember trying to sit through this show because I love the original monkeys and this is the opportunity to get on the ground floor for this new thing. And it was a mess. It was a total mess. I, I believe it was uh, one season only, and I don't even know if all the shows made it to air, and it was syndicated, so it wasn't even actually on a regular network. You kind of had to chase it around. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember if they ever actually got an album out or not. Uh, they had a couple of singles. Yeah, they had one album. They had one album released in 1987. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and you could not look at this and tell it from a Duran Duran or Flock of Seagulls or anything else at that point in time. It just looks exactly like everything else in the 80s did. I really like the cover art. I may try and purchase this. You should reproduce it as a cover for your band. Uh, in fact, I, I see right here uh, track side one, track number five, Boy Inside the Man. If that is not a Drawn Your Lifeguard, Drawn the lifeguard. Drawn the lifeguard. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, if it was a drawn the lifeguard song, it would start a like. But unless you listen to us, you don't get that reference. Yep. Um hmm. I did go on a weird search uh, a couple years ago, I think. Well, that's terrifying, Todd. Uh, yeah, of of trying to find out what happened, the new monkeys. Did any of these guys go on anything else? Because it's not like they weren't talented guys uh, they were talented enough to be in a show they were entertaining uh they they put out an album so did they did any of them pick up you, you kind of always wonder that like oh this thing that i used to really like or this thing that i remember casually like did one of them become the next matt damon or something uh one of these guys might have been matt damon now look at him well, i'm trying but, to like find the actual members of the band because this yeah. is a listing for a TV show on the Wikipedia, so it's kind of it doesn't really say who was in the band. Well, it says who it stars, and I think the first four names: uh, Jared Chandler, Dino Kovas, Marty Dino Ross. Kovas. So Marty Ross is a songwriter and guitarist, best known for his role in the TV series The New Monkeys, and right. as a member of the power pop band The Wigs. So he has done nothing with his life. Presumably, I, I, the other three haven't either because they don't even have Wikipedia pages. Yeah, I looked for these guys, and I think I saw some YouTube video of them playing at a private party, like sitting in the living room of one of their houses and playing a couple songs, and it was two of the guys from the band. And I was like, oh, that would actually be kind of cool to see. We're now 20 years out from this show. I'm not saying there should be a Monkeys 3, but... Well, I guess there is kind of Monkeys 3 since David Jones passed away. But we should see if something, some sort of reunion for these guys like show up at a VH1, like whatever happened to party of the new Monkeys and 
like have them do a performance. Remember when VH1 was doing that a couple years ago? And it's like, oh, we're going to get this band back together. And then they would yeah. try to do it. And then one of the guys would be like a dick. No, I don't want to do it. Um, this this could have been this could have been. But I guess it does take people being interested in the original thing in the first place. What do you think the odds are that VH1 could come up with like a new monkeys dating show? Where you you go on the show and you get to win a date with one of the yeah they did it with uh, Flavor Flav and and Brett Michaels oh yeah yeah so it could be like the Marty meet meet Marty hour or something win a date with Marty Ross or, or just knob him in a in a pool or something well they, the Flavor Flav show spun out of the surreal life season that he was on with Brigitte For, Nielsen yep. And then they and broke then it, up. And then he and then had that, broke up. that weird, crazy black chick in New York. New York got her own show. Um, God, those VH1 dating shows. Right, we got we got a couple minutes left. I'll see if I can hammer this out before. So there's Flavor of Love, Rock Love, I Love New York, Real Chance of Love, Daisy of Love, and For the Love of Ray J. All VH1 dating shows. Yeah. Those and they all the spun VH1. out of the same thing. Yes, and those are just the VH1 celebrity dating shows. What was Daisy of Love? What was um, that about? Oh God, Daisy was a chick that was on Rock of Love. Okay. I was thinking it was Daisy Fuentes. I'm like, she man, was, I would have called that up on that one. She is very <laughs> gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, she looks like she's had some stuff done with her face. And not in like a good way. Well, probably both. Probably both on that account. She's had some stuff on her face. And then surgical work, too. I don't know where you've been, Miss Daisy, but it, you smell <laughs> of bandana sweat and disappointment. Ah, oh, Brett Michaels. I know that. <sighs> I, know, I know that scent. Yeah. There's jizz everywhere. Oof. It's all on CC Deville. Uh, oh. He. I was gonna say he doesn't deserve that, but he really does. He's a dirty human being. <laughs> sort of. Um, the new monkeys, though. Should we feel like we were? Like they should be chastised for what they were because that's what the new kids on the block were. You were what? right. They're in they're the manufactured. Si- in the 60s, band. was there a kids on the block? No, but I mean the new monkeys. <sighs> Let's see what I did there. Yeah, that, that's true. That... But there was Menudo, and I don't remember when Menudo started, but I remember when Menudo got really popular in the mid 80s because they gave them their own show during the Saturday morning cartoons on ABC uh, in the midst of what Rubik's the Amazing Cube cartoons. And your your average Super Friends spinoff, Menudo was another processed cheese band that uh, Ricky Martin came out of. Uh, yes, that's very true. Didn't mean to put it as Ricky Martin came out, but he did. He did uh, just much later <laughs> than when his music did. Just not with Menudo. <laughs> but should the New Monkeys be criticized for being a manufactured band, manufactured entertainment program? built around characters that were not like the real guys or, or should it just like this, just how it is, you know, that's what all these other bands have been over the years. You're, you're, um, wow. I can't think of what Justin Timberlake was in anymore. I feel kind of good uh, about myself. Fuck. In sync. In sync. It was either in sync or the Backstreet Boys. So I just said one of them. And if you were like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> I was going to say the other one. Yeah. In sync, Backstreet Boys, 98 degrees. It, the whole Mickey Mouse Club thing, that's kind of where a lot of those things popped out of it. Yep. It's about yep. the same. Yeah, pop music's pretty pretty bad. A lot of garbage. Yeah. 
I guess it's different if they're supposed to be musicians versus just a bunch of people singing in a row. Oh, I was like, what the fuck do you mean by that? But <laughs> yeah, you're talking about barbershop quartets and shit. Doo-wop. Yeah. Yes, the 80s doo-wop movement. <laughs> what you don't know is about the 80s underground doo-wop movement. So don't fuck with me because I, I know That's... a thing or two about my 80s underground doo-wop. Yeah, it used to have a lot of hardcore doo-wop battles out in the streets. You know, two gangs of dueling doo-wops. The doo-wop duels. Uh, they just show up and throw down and... And that's going to do it. Yeah, that's time. That is our 60-minute timer right there, my good man. Um, Not at all upset that we couldn't talk about the new monkeys because they were about as interesting as the original monkeys. More? Less? Same? What? Fuck, Mary kill? Um, (laughs) I want less (laughs) monkeys, more Def Leppard, the same amount of Fox. Is that what you wanted? Yeah, I don't want to increase my Fox intake. I don't think I can take it at this point. Yeah, my butthole already hurts. Um, awesome. Well, the end of the show, so you know what we got to get to now. Corey, what did you learn today? Uh, man, I feel like I learned how to tell you about stuff that you didn't know about. That's true. I feel like we went to school. Um, you, le- you, you learned me a lot, and I'm very tired. Yeah. Next time I'm going to learn you with a switch. I'm going to make you walk out in the woods and... Cut one off a tree and bring it back, and then I'll tear you something. Not like a Nintendo Switch? No. Oh. no. Hmm. In the good old days. <laughs> the real Switch. Wow. Right. Right. Well, today I What learned, did you learn, Matt? I learned that the new monkeys were a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you're wrong because they really weren't. Uh, they had, they had it, what was it, 22 episodes? 13 episodes. Uh, yeah, I, if they made it to the air, it, it's one of those things that probably shift around in between episodes of uh, the new adventures of Gidget. Hey, man, that's still 13 episodes of a TV show that I don't have. Yep. I'll tell you what I learned. I learned which member of your band is most replaceable. Yeah, the bass player. It's always the bass player. It's always the bass player. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, Except for Nikki Six. Yeah, whatever. Nikki Six and Motley Crue is the least replaceable member of the band. That's true. Um... Yeah, so Corey, what, uh, where could people find you? I guess I, I, I might as well just go ahead and shut this fucker down. Yeah, well, uh, since this is a spinoff show, we should actually talk about where we're spun off from. That's true. Uh, you can find past episodes of the show that inspire this one, 90th Percentile, at wepodcast.com. And you can also find their current, sometimes, show of uh, Worst Episode Ever, show about the simpsons about people who love the simpsons about how much they hate the simpsons mm-hmm. is that right is that close uh this is a show about people who love the simpsons yeah whatever i don't i don't fucking yeah. care anymore yeah <laughs> it's just but we care about them we care about jack and dan i, I care friends. deeply about jack sometimes he concerns me with how sad he yeah is. it's it's like it's not an, jack i'll fly out there and give you a hug i know you're listening to this it's, I, i'm not above actually, hugging you if you're willing to put on a tortilla, he'll do many things to you like a burrito. That's true. I'll roll you up like a burrito and stuff you down my throat. Or yes. Or, or lick lick queso off of you for an hour. Uh Matt, where can people find stuff about you? I just want to talk about licking queso off of Dan. <laughs> or Jack. Probably or Jack. Both. 
I get hair stuck in my teeth. Jack's a very hairy man. It's very hairy. Um, I guess you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and untapped at Matt the Lifeguard. You could also give our normal podcast money. If you go to amazon.podcasthere.com, shop like you normally would, we get a cut. Keeps the show free. Try to keep ads out because it's mostly because I'm too lazy to put them in. Gives us the opportunity to not give a shit and just do two shows like this. And we can disrespect our surroundings while we're doing it. As much as possible. Yep. Yep. I'm going to just jizz everywhere. Well, I guess that's going to do it for uh, another episode of 80s Percentile. My name is Matt. My name is Corey, and we will see you in another decade.